0: The warm weather is here, and in Wisconsin, that means many people are heading outdoors to soak up the sun. But there's a warning that comes with the warm weather. A warning to watch out for too much sun. We'll explain why next on CTSI Discovery Radio. Good day, Southeast Wisconsin. I'm David Todd, your host for the next half an hour of CTSI Discovery Radio. On today's show, we'll be talking about skin cancer and melanoma, how to prevent the disease, and what can be done to support innovative therapies for those who are battling skin cancer or melanoma. But first, let me tell you about the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. CTSI, as it's called, is an eight-member consortium including Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Frederick Hospital, Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Clement J. Zablocki VA Medical Center, as well as the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, and the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. All eight institutions work together to accelerate the discovery and development of new treatments and interventions that will improve our community's health. We recently caught up with UWM Chancellor Mark Moni and asked him about his views on the importance of partnership and the CTSI.
1: Well, the Medical College of Wisconsin is a critically important strategic partner for us and I say that because as one of the leading freestanding academic medical institutions in the country, we saw this some years ago as really important for us as a complete comprehensive university um, to engage to be able to advance um, a number of areas around healthcare, a number of uh, specific scientific inquiry, research areas, as well as practice. Um, The ways that we engage together, the ways that we uh, work on a number of specific tactical areas stem from that strategic opportunity. We bought land uh, adjacent to the medical college specifically for that reason. It was a huge investment that's critically important for our partnership. At the operational level, we do many things with the Medical College of Wisconsin. We have a number of our faculty, dozens of them, that serve as adjunct faculty um, in our clinical translation sciences unit. Um, The institute has has, uh, just a remarkable legacy of focusing on um, uh, taking uh, the scientific applications, areas of inquiry, and translating that from what we say from, from the lab or bench to the bed, to the bedside. And those types of practices that are in partnership with the Medical College, Marquette University, uh, Milwaukee School of Engineering and UWM play a vitally important role in the community. So that's one example, the CTSI, of, of the value of the partnership.
0: Now, as we said at the top of the show, with summer upon us, there's an even greater concern for too much sun exposure and the risk of skin cancer. So we've reached out today to the National Cancer Institute to tell us more about skin cancer and melanoma. Joining us today on the phone is Dr. Frank Perna, program manager for the NCI. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Perna, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, The reason I'm calling today is to get a better idea or a better definition of what skin cancer and melanoma is for our listeners.
2: Skin cancer is the most common form of cancer. However, there are several varieties with melanoma being the least common, but also the most deadly.
0: I see. And can you tell me, in very broad terms, what people should be watching for or what they should be concerned about with skin cancer?
2: The first thing I would say, uh, first and foremost, people should be concerned uh, with prevention of skin cancer. Because melanoma, as well as the other skin cancers, is positively associated with uh, excess exposure to UV radiation uh, through the sun or through intentional tanning that might occur indoors or outdoors. Um, So we we always want to get that message out that uh, wearing protective clothing, avoiding the sun, or seeking shade during peak sun hours, wearing sunglasses. Uh, hats, uh, as well as the application of sunscreen, is most important
0: uh, form of prevention. And Dr. Perna, when you talk about sunscreen and there's all those different SPF levels, you know, 15, 30, 45, 100, you know, is there a certain SPF level that people should be looking for, or, you know, at a certain point it doesn't matter anymore? Or?
2: The, the recommendation for sunscreen is to use broad spectrum that covers both. UVA and UVB rays and at SPS factor of 30 uh, to provide adequate protection. Excellent. And there are now sunscreens that are advertised as water resistant so that you could use them when you're going in the water. It's very important that sunscreen uh, be reapplied um, every 80 minutes um, or less if you're wiping the skin such as what happens when you go in the water or you're sweaty and you wipe uh, sweat from your body.
0: Gotcha. That makes sense. So we've talked about prevention. We've talked about sunscreens, hats, protective clothing, limiting your exposure to sun. You do all those things, and you still find an odd-shaped spot or a mole. What do you do then?
2: Well, there are recommendations for the the ABCDE rule that applies to... um, Moles on the skin that you're looking for asymmetry, that is, um, does one half of the, the, the mole uh, or skin abnormality match the other half? Uh, is the border, that is, is it irregular? Often the edges are ragged or notched. Um, is the color uh, that is uneven or black or brown, um, they, they may be um, uneven coloring the diameter is there a change in the size? It's usually, an increase. Uh, melanomas can be tiny, but they tend to be larger uh, than about a quarter inch wide. Um, and then the last one is that it evolving. That is, has the mole changed over the past few weeks or months? Um, so, if if you're concerned about that, that's something that you can have uh, examined by a, a medical professional. The other thing I would say is that. It, there's somewhat of a misnomer about um, that skin cancer only occurs in Caucasian uh, people while it uh, while skin cancer and melanoma in particular um, do occur with a higher frequency in that group, um, that um, people who have dark skin color are also susceptible to melanoma. In fact, often it's diagnosed at a later stage when there are fewer treatment options, so it's very important that... Um, people um, don't think that just because their skin is dark that they won't uh, be able to contract melanoma. And then I guess the last thing I would say is that while the Surgeon General's call to action um, is, is certainly very individually um, focused with clear messages that individuals can take, um, people should look to take action in their communities to uh, provide safe um, and sun-protective environments, um, be it at school, workplaces, recreational areas, uh, to the degree that they can influence that, um, we would recommend that they do that.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Doctor. Thank you. Later in the show, we'll talk with one local community organization who is trying to spread the word that skin cancer can kill. But next, the MCW researcher who is trying to block melanoma in your own body. We'll explain more next.
3: Day sunshine Good day sunshine Good day sunshine Good day sunshine. Good day
0: sunshine Our next guest is a dermatologist at the Medical College of Wisconsin, studying the effects of skin cancer and melanoma. Welcome Dr. Sam Wong. Dr. Wong, where did you first kind of find your love of science or of medicine? Wow. Was it high school? Was it college? Was it earlier?
4: Well, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, I actually, uh, my first love was actually mathematics. And in high school, we had a great math teacher. We uh, participated in math competitions across the state and in the region, and sometimes nationally. And because of that, I was able to get a scholarship to Harvard College. And uh, although I didn't pursue mathematics as a, as a major there, uh, I went into biochemistry, and that had a natural fit with medicine and science. I was able to work in several laboratories during my undergraduate years, and then uh, eventually went to medical school. And there I, um, I actually found a love for research, as I did a one-year research fellowship between the second and third years of medical school. And this happened to be in Switzerland. And I did uh, about four years of research in Europe and, and came back to the United States, finished medical school, and continued my interest in research by pursuing a fellowship after residency in
0: dermatology. Between um, medicine and research, do you have a favorite discipline?
4: Well, that's really hard to say. I think they're very much interconnected for me. My um, clinical interests are in several areas. One is in psoriasis, which is an immune-mediated disease. Uh, I also have an interest in melanoma because it's one of the uh, uh, few diseases in dermatology which are actually deadly, potentially are fatal for the people who develop it. Um, And so both of those processes rely on the immune system and understanding that through use of mice particularly, and my laboratory specializes in the use of, of mice as models for human disease. Uh, I think we've been able to uh, come up with ideas or concepts that would lead to new ways of treating people. So it's hard for me to say that I enjoy one versus the other. They're different uh, uh, in terms of how they're approached. Uh, But I think that if you uh, try to bridge them together, it becomes a very powerful force in, in advancing knowledge of medicine.
0: It sounds like you just described to me the translational research process. <laughs> you didn't have to pay me to say that. <laughs> but, you know, to do the research, to be able to find the therapeutics that are really going to help people is translational research. Yes. So we're, we're very happy you're doing that. <laughs>
4: why I am too. And actually, my training as an MD and a PhD, I think, is very helpful for that process. Uh, m- many clinicians focus on the clinical side of medicine, but I think you really either need a fellowship experience or a PhD type of experience to be able to get the background necessary to perform uh, basic science at a high enough level to get funded these days.
0: Um, Dr. Wong, can you tell me... Um how the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin has supported any of your research, whether it's through funding or services or?
4: Well, I think the Advancing uh, a Healthier Wisconsin Fund has been a really huge impact on our laboratory. They uh, funded our first efforts here, and they funded our work in uh, new approaches to treating melanoma. And I think that's a a wonderful thing. And as we move further in the process, we first identified mechanisms, and now through our collaborators, Brian Volkman and Department of Biochemistry here, he's actually developed a compound which will block a certain cellular receptor that we think helps protect cells from the effects of immunotherapy or chemotherapy. So uh, if we can disable that protective mechanism, then we can have a better chance of, of having that treatment be successful. And so uh, it, uh, we've now identified the compound, uh, we know it works in mouse models, and the next step is actually to take it to a human level, but you can't do it in thousands of patients at one time. I think the, the, uh, the CTUs, the clinical translational units, and uh, the small pilot collaborative projects in clinical research or clinical trials that the CTSI would provide would be ideal mechanisms for doing the first pilot trials in in humans, this would be the first in human approach for this type of therapy.
0: Well, who backs your research?
4: We have a variety of sources. Uh, one is the uh, I, I'm very appreciative to the Medical College of Wisconsin. I mean, they actually through the Cancer Center, uh, we've had funding through uh, the Medical College itself. They provide some of the startup funding to to get the laboratory going when I first moved here from the NIH. Um, we also have significant funding and I, I'm very appreciative of the Ann's Hope Foundation. They are a local uh, research funding organization specifically uh, designed to foster research in melanoma and uh, the two ladies who, um, uh, who head this group. Uh, Ann Harrington and Ann Frenzel have done a wonderful job over the last few years organizing uh, uh, walk runs in the zoo, for example. They have an annual melanoma walk run to raise funding for melanoma, and we've been able to benefit from that funding, and we've received well over $200,000 from that organization over the few years in order to support this type of work. Uh, as uh, many of us in the research field knows, the NIH is uh, a difficult place to get funding these days, and we need this kind of funding from community organizations uh, in order to get the preliminary data necessary to generate a grant of sufficient quality to be able to compete successfully for those NIH dollars, and we're just at the point where we can start competing for those dollars.
0: That's excellent. Um, Doctor, when you uh, look at your research, what disciplines do you find that team up uh, well with your research in skin cancer? What other uh, collaborators do you bring in uh, from other, other disciplines to work on your research?
4: Oh, I've been really fortunate here at the Medical College to have excellent collaborators, and collaborators who actually work with the same molecule that I work on. And this is by coincidence, uh, but it turns out that two of the nation's uh, 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 most recognized researchers in chemokine receptor biology actually happen to be here at the Medical College. And it's Mike Donnell. Uh, in the Department of Genetics and, uh, and Immunology, uh, and then Brian Volkman in the Department of uh, Biochemistry. And the way their research impacts on mine is that Mike Dwinnell, uh is an uh, immunologist, and he has developed animal models in which he can specifically knock out certain uh, receptors. Uh, specifically in mice and we've been able to breed these mice with some of our mice to generate unique uh, animal models in which we can test our ideas and then uh, Brian Volkman brings uh, his expertise in structural biology and because of that expertise he has been able to custom design proteins that will block Uh, the receptor that we're interested in. And so uh, these two different types of expertise can come together and generate new molecules, for example, that we can test in our models. uh, Then that's what we bring to the table, uh, per se, our expertise in melanoma models in mice, which they had not worked with before. And so when you put all these different Uh, assets together. We actually have come up with several publications now. I think uh, three uh, different publications that emphasize uh, different aspects of the work.
0: And how do you find working in a collaborative environment? Has it advanced your research more quickly? Has it given you more information and more data?
4: Oh, absolutely. I think collaboration is a key to successful science these days. I think the NIH has moved away from the time when it's one investigator doing good science within just his own or her own laboratory. Uh, these days, it often takes uh, evidence of a a much broader effort that covers several disciplines and that encompasses experts in those different fields. And so that's why having Mike Donnell here, having Brian Volkman here has helped because we've actually collaborated on grants together. And Brian and I, uh, uh, have a grant that was funded by NIAMS. It's in psoriasis. It's not in cancer therapy, but that's just an example of how you can take two different disciplines, dermatology and biochemistry, putting put them together and get a successful NIH grant out
0: of it. Where do you hope your research um, in skin cancer melanoma leads you?
4: Well, our work has focused on a particular family of uh, receptors called chemokine receptors. And we think that Cancer cells use these chemokine receptors in part to uh, localize at metastatic sites, and so uh, metastasis is the leading killer of uh, individuals with cancer. When these cancer cells spread from the original site, say on the skin, to the lung or to the brain, when they develop these tumors in those areas, those are the the tumors that actually kill the patient. It's rarely the, the, the initial tumor on the arm or on the back that actually kills the patient. It's the metastases that do that. And so when these cells metastasize to these sites, they use the chemokine receptors to, to localize, to help find and stay and survive at those distant sites. And so our um, research has focused on blocking those receptors using unique molecules and molecules that are designed in the laboratory and then can be produced by E. coli and and then re-injected into an animal or perhaps one day into humans in order to block those receptors. And when that happens, we've already shown in mice, in animal models, that when that happens, then the cancer cells are uh, more sensitive to the effects of immunotherapy or to chemotherapy, and we've published that work actually several years ago now. And we believe that the new generation of therapeutics that are targeted at melanoma, for example, they, they work, but uh, many of them lose efficacy, or in some cases, the cancer cells themselves can change in a way to make them uh, uh, invisible to the immune system. And so what we're hoping is by using these drugs at the same time you're delivering the immunotherapy or the chemotherapy, you are making the uh, cancer cells particularly sensitive to those agents and that you'll get better treatment. You'll get uh, more uh, shrinkage of the tumors, for example, at those uh, metastatic sites than you otherwise would and perhaps uh, prevent resistance to these medications. And so that's our goal, and over the next few years, and with the help of organizations like Ann's Hope, we hope to get that initial pilot data, uh, uh, and I think the CTCI would actually provide some uh, uh, unique resources to be allow us to be able to do that type of pilot clinical research.
0: And it sounds like this outcome would be an intervention that can be used in conjunction with traditional therapies like chemotherapy.
4: Yes, absolutely, and over the last few years, there have been significant advances in chemotherapy. Uh, there are specific agents that target uh, proteins that are required by cancer cells in order to become those cancer cells. Uh, the other major advance in the last few years has been immunotherapy. There are two drugs and several others that are coming on the market that actually stimulate one's own immune system to attack that cancer or attack that melanoma. These drugs are already approved. They're available now. And our hope is that the results that we've seen in animal models where we combine this uh, inhibitor of this particular chemokine receptor in conjunction with immunotherapy, we've seen that the tumors are smaller, that we get better results with the two in combination than with either one alone. And we hope to apply this to the human system and to use those existing immunotherapy, these FDA-approved, drugs, essentially, to uh, uh, combine with novel agents, like our chemokine receptor antagonists to get better treatment, more successful treatment for those patients with advanced cancers.
0: Are there any new interventions for prevention that we're using right now?
4: In melanoma, really, the, the, the wave uh, has been more of a public health uh, warning to, to patients. For example, Uh, The latest studies uh, suggest that indoor tanning use is a risk factor for melanoma and other skin cancers. And so indoor tanning is actually particularly prevalent in the northern states, uh, such as Wisconsin, where the winters are long, and uh, individuals are uh, often going to indoor tanning salons to to get those tans during the winter time. But particularly in, in women, it turns out that indoor tanning is a risk factor for melanoma. So if you let people know about the risks of indoor tanning or to have people limit their use uh, uh, considerably, then you might be impacting the rates of melanoma. And we know that uh, these changes have been effective because the rates of melanoma in Australia, for example, have gone down in recent years because they've made a concerted public effort to use sunscreens, and clothing and hats uh, in order to prevent excessive exposure to UV rays. So there is no drug uh, that I know of that will prevent melanoma. However, doing fairly simple things, lifestyle changes that aren't terribly onerous, uh, uh, you can actually make an impact on the rates of melanoma that are appearing in the population.
0: And from those things we've heard, sunscreen, Mm -hmm. hats, limit your exposure to sun. Mm
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I enjoy the sun, too. I play golf. I play tennis. I don't want to tell anyone that you should never go out into the sun. But it is so simple to put on a sunscreen these days, and many of them are quite effective. Uh, our only recommendation is that you use them often enough that sunscreens, even the best ones, typically wear off in terms of their effect and protection after about two hours. And so if you're out there for a long time, you really just need to reapply. And so that's a very simple uh, uh, piece of advice, but I think it's highly effective. And I hope people are still able to enjoy being in the outdoors, but do it in a safe way.
0: Thank you, doctor. As the temperatures warm up, and as May is a Melanoma Awareness Month, I'm certain more people are gonna be outdoors, enjoying the sun, and these prevention tips are gonna be very helpful, thank you.
4: Thank you very much, appreciate it.
0: One more quick break, then find out how you can get involved with blocking melanoma or support those battling the disease. That's coming up. A daughter's love and a sister's commitment were the driving force behind one local charity's move to make skin cancer and melanoma awareness a top priority for people in our community. Ann Harrington, co-founder and executive director of Ann's Hope, stopped by the Medical College of Wisconsin to explain to us why this mission is so important to her and her friends. Ann, can you tell me the mission of Ann's Hope Foundation?
3: The mission of Hope Foundation is to educate the community of the dangers of melanoma and skin cancers and to fund groundbreaking clinical research.
0: This is also a very personal mission for you. You founded Anshope Foundation. Can you tell me a little bit about the um, uh, story of the founding of it?
3: Correct. Um, Myself and my co-founder, Ann Frenzel, um, both had personal family losses. Ann's father had died from melanoma um, about a year prior to my brother's diagnosis in 2004. And while he was battling melanoma, we decided we needed to tell people about skin cancer and that you can die from just skin cancer and that melanoma is the deadliest form of skin cancer. And as of now, there is no cure for late stage melanoma. So we began the foundation when my brother was actually battling the disease. He passed away in early 2005 and we had our first event, um, the Block Melanoma Run and Walk that May of 2005. So it's been um, going strong for 10 years.
0: The foundation raises money and awareness for events like this weekend's 11th annual uh, Black Melanoma Run and Walk at the zoo. People can join an event like that, but tell us how else they can support the mission of Anne's Hope Foundation.
3: Um, Really, there's so many opportunities to support Anne's Hope. And as simple as remembering to apply sunscreen every day, it doesn't matter if it's a cold winter day in the dead of January in Wisconsin, the sun is still there and you need to protect yourself. Protect your children every day. It is the burns when in childhood that really affect you later in life. So protecting your family, your loved ones, making sure You know, you are wearing sunscreen, hats, there's SPF clothing. There's so much you can do to protect yourself. Um, Also, there's always uh, volunteer opportunities within the organization. From the day of the event, we have about 150 people who come out and volunteer for that day alone. And um, obviously, financial contributions are always very welcome. We are a volunteer foundation and um, there are many doctors who rely on the money that we fund them to keep them keep their clinical research trials going so those are all great opportunities
0: that does sound like a great opportunity for people to support uh, melanoma research and to get out the word about skin cancer and to protect yourself from UV rays so Anne, I know that the 11th annual block melanoma run and walk is this Sunday if people want to get involved or come on volunteer or run and walk how do they do that
3: Uh, They can go to our website, www.annshope.org, A-N-N-S-H-O-P-E.org, O-R-G. .org. Um, There's a link to register for the event. That also will give you the opportunity to register as a volunteer if you'd like to volunteer or register to do the 5K run or the 3K walk. It is a chip time run. Um, We have about 2,000 people who come out for this event. It's a great family day. It's at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Your registration includes admission to the zoo for the day, so stay and enjoy the beautiful uh, grounds that we have right here in our city. And um, it's it's a great way to support others who have dealt with skin cancer or lost loved ones to melanoma.
0: And if you're going to come out, wear sunscreen and a hat.
3: Yes, Yes, absolutely. Sunscreen and a hat.
0: And thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate the information.
3: Thank you, David, and we hope to see everyone at the Black Melanoma events on May seventeenth, two thousand and fifteen.
0: The eleventh annual Black Melanoma Run/Walk is this weekend, Sunday, May seventeenth, at the Milwaukee County Zoo. As Ann just said, if you'd like to participate or volunteer or even make a donation, you can visit Ann's Hope Foundation website at www.annshope.org. One last item, CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month, so make sure to mark your calendar and join us for our next show. And do log on to our website, ctsi.mcw.edu, for even more information about research and your health. Until then, CTSI Discovery Radio is produced by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. In collaboration with WMSE Radio, the show is engineered by Tom Crawford with special thanks to Sandy Everitts and Drs. Herman Beats and Raza Shakir
1: All I've got's this sunny afternoon Save, me, save me.